When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Here we go, Draft Knicks. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Draft 412 podcast. My name is Joe 412, and I'll be one of your hosts uh, for this evening for the next 30 minutes. Our other host is, of course, John Toth, our editor-in-chief. And JT, how are you doing this evening? Good, man. How are you doing? Uh, great. Are you ready to talk some pit football? Oh, I definitely. I'm in there daily. I'm ready to, I'm ready to talk some pit football. All right. Well, hey, before we begin, I want to thank our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. Uh, and with us tonight, we have David Haddad of the Loyal Sons. David, welcome to Draft 412. Happy to be here. Thank you guys so much for having me. And uh, and thank you for your patience in getting this on the calendar. I had a very weird uh, last month in that um, I gained two roommates and a fiance. Two hey, of those are the same thing. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. It's it was very scary, uh, and and just kind of a month of uh, uh, running around and hiding things. So um, I was just really bad at scheduling things and committing to those things that I schedule. So appreciate you guys uh, sticking with me. Uh, no problem. It's our pleasure, man. So we're gonna put you right on the clock. You mind if we get going? Let's do it. All right, so first thing out of the gate, man, your Sopranos video. I know that's not you uh, in the video, but whose idea was it? And what was the response? How's the response been to that? Uh, so um, the idea belonged to our incredible photographer. And by our photographer, I mean our very good friend who happens to be nice with a camera. Um, and he, we get him a press pass for games and he takes incredible pictures and lets us put our names on it. Sometimes, um, he, he just texted us out of the blue last week and was like, Hey, it'd be really cool if we just reshot the Sopranos intro. And we are like, uh, yeah, I, that's exactly what we're going to do now. Um, so he and my co-host squid cotton just drove around Pittsburgh for three hours on Wednesday night. Uh, with a cigar and some Taco Bell and reshot it. And uh, it it is obviously a, a cinematic masterpiece. So um, we're very happy with it. People seem to really like it. Um, it combines two things Pittsburghers love, which is Pittsburgh itself and uh, throwing a bone to our Italian population, uh, you know, near, near and dear to the hearts of us. Um, follow, I'd be remiss if I didn't say follow our our photographer brandon on uh on instagram it's deco bean um that's d-i-k-o dot bean like garbanzo bean and for those of us who don't know what the loyal sons are tell everybody what that is and how they can reach you oh wow that's a lot to unpack um if if you would like to refer to us in a professional manner we are uh we are a pit media outlet uh, you know, harnessing on the fan perspective to talk about pit athletics in a way that you will not see represented a lot in the media. Um, if you want to tell it like it really is, we're three dickhead buddies who can I say that? Yeah, you can say that. Okay, we're three dickhead buddies who, who, <laughs> who love pit, 
very, very much and decided uh, that we would record ourselves talking about Pitt. We, we had a bit of a following on Twitter. Um, our Twitter account started as Capel Faithful. It started as our one of our co-hosts, Dylan's burner Twitter, uh, so that he could fire off takes about like Jared Drumgoal or whatever. And, uh, and it kind of grew a following and, you know, more guys got the password and it just kind of became a thing. And now we have like sponsors and like people who listen to us in their free time, which is weird. Before I turn this over to JT, I have to say something. Your commentary during the Clemson Duke game, when you guys said, uh, you know, I'd rather play Clemson this year than Duke. I just said that in 2023. I almost fell over. I mean, that was, right. that was phenomenal. No, it was it was interesting because uh, everybody had money on Clemson, so obviously, emotionally, we were very invested in those uh, those Tigers down south. But then, um, my our one buddy and I kind of pointed out like. Wouldn't it be a lot better for Pitt if Clemson dropped the game to Duke and then inevitably dropped the game to Florida State? And that would just kind of give Pitt a leg up because we we don't have the opportunity to beat Clemson this year. So other people in the UCC are going to have to take care of that business for us. So we realized it kind of cleared a path um, for Pitt to increase its chances of returning to Charlotte. And you couldn't have found... 20 more ardent Blue Devil fans for the next couple hours last night. So we we, we had some opinions on the demise of of uh, Dabo Swinney's team, and uh, and we we decided to let a couple rip. But what a what a game! What a what a statement by the Blue Devils. Definitely, it definitely was. But the Clemson got a great. They have four or five NFL type defensive players too, and Duke Duke just ran up and down the field, especially in the second half. Um, David, Pitt's schedule starts off. It, it, it's it's a, it's a nice little stepping stone um, schedule. They start off with Walford. They get a little bit better against Cincy. They're about the same with West Virginia, even though it's at West Virginia. So I think it's a tougher game than Cincy. Right. Then, so then they get North Carolina to round out September. Um, what what do you after after that? And then they have the, the couple of big games in the middle of the season. What's your expectations for Pitt this season? I do not know. And and I I don't say that out of ignorance. I, I say that out of uh what is this team? Did did you, you guys watch the game Saturday, I'm sure? Yeah. They just kind of ran halfback dive to their third string running back a hundred times and then uh through when necessary held a vastly overmatched team to 50 yards before they got a 75 yard garbage time touchdown um, off of like the biggest OPI I've ever seen go uncalled. Um, oh, it was incredible. And people lost money off of it. A um, little bit of a bad beat, but uh, <laughs> it it's tough to understand what Pitt is because there's so many unknowns is, is Frank Signetti good at offensive coordinator? Is Phil Dracovic good at quarterback? Um, do we believe in Pat Narduzzi's ability to just kind of reload on defense after losing as much talent to the NFL as he did last year? Um, so there's a lot of question marks, and typically year over year with college football, since there's so much less coverage and access 
with college football teams, you are forced to make very bold assessments based on essentially nothing but recruitment rankings and then um, returning starters. And since Pitt is not rated very highly in either of those, I, I think a lot of people were led to logical conclusion we wouldn't be that good. Um, but then you look on the, the flip side. This team went 9-4 or four last year, finished ranked behind a quarterback who we know was bad at being quarterback. So if you fill in a guy that is basically competent, shouldn't this team be better? Especially when you add in the fact that all the starters that we're seeing this year performed more than admirably against a very good UCLA team in the Sun Bowl and won. So, you know, on one hand, bunch of unproven guys, unproven quarterback, unproven OC, usually a recipe for not great, especially when you're facing four ranked teams down the stretch like we are. On the other hand, we watch this team stick it to the number 17 team in the country with a bunch of young guys that are playing this year and then add in a better quarterback than they had last year. So wh what do you make of it? So I'm still asking myself that question because Pat Narduzzi wanted to keep all of his uh, secret weapons a secret last week. So to answer your question again, I really don't know. This is between a 7 and 10 win team. And a lot could happen to land them on either end of that spectrum. So to that end, uh, you've, I think you've described very well the angst that exists among Pitt fans right now. You've got uh, you know, people that are just wondering the big question mark. And it looks like we lost JT, so I'm going to just keep on going. Um, you keep know, it I, pushing. I, yeah, I think that the, you know, the, the 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 question mark is we don't know what we have. Right. And we're just we're playing. And, and of course, it was going to be generic vanilla um, football this past week. And it, and it was and they dominated like they were supposed to, which is good. Uh, and since he's a real challenge for them. But, you know, let's presume for a second that they fight through uh, the, 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 uh, the stretch here. They've got Cincinnati, West Virginia and, uh, and UNC. And they find themselves undefeated by the end of September. So, David, Pitt has a stretch in the middle of the schedule here where they've got Notre Dame away and Florida State at home back to back. And if there's a way that we they creep out of these first four games, four and oh. Uh, and they make it to those back-to-back -back games seven and zero. What do you How think? How dare you? Run? Are they going to go two and zero there? One and one, zero oh and two? Are those two teams they just can't overcome, or do you think this is a uh, a group that uh, you know at that point might might prove uh, that they're the cream of the crop in the ACC? So I blacked out when you said seven and zero going into Notre Dame uh, <laughs> from excitement, obviously. No, I and and I think that exactly what you just did there is the proper way to you know prognosticate about a team's record. Uh, everyone goes down and goes like, "This is a win. This is a loss. This is a win. This is a loss." We like to look at it through the lens of like, okay, what if this team is three and one going into this game what if they're one and three because you know with with 20 year old kids um we underestimate how much like confidence in getting into a rhythm means to them um if Pitt drops one of cincinnati or west virginia i'm a little nervous about what will happen the rest of the season if Pitt is three and oh going up against north carolina i'll feel pretty good 
Um, if Pitt is seven and zero going into Notre Dame, I won't be alive. <laughs> uh, the the excitement and cumulative uh, alcohol will will kill me. But, no, I I think I think regardless. Pitt takes one of either Notre Dame or Florida State, no matter how bad of a season they're having Mm -hmm. or how good of a season they're having, because that is just kind of what Pitt does. It would be even better if one of those teams was number two in the country and on trajectory to make the national championship, because Pitt is really, really good at ruining seasons for specifically those teams. Um, (laughs) No, I'm, I'm scared as all hell of Florida State. Uh, I, I watched that game on, on Sunday night and uh, that was, that was terrifying, especially when you have three receivers who might be seven, eight feet tall. It felt like um, going yeah, up Wilson, against Johnny Wilson's a big, he's a big dude, man. Oh my God. He's so big. He's like, he's like actually six, 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 seven. Um, but <laughs> them lining up against Marquez William, who's phenomenal, but like five, eight uh, yeah, is a little bit scary. worrisome. <laughs> I will say though, if there's one thing you could learn about Florida state from that game, it's put pressure on Jordan Travis and nobody in the country has been better at applying pressure than Pitt the last five years. So that's good. Um, also funky stuff happens when Pitt goes to Notre Dame. Um, so I think really either of those games, I could see Pitt winning. I think it's more likely they beat Notre Dame and then maybe get the hell beat out of them by Florida state. Um, but either way, I, I do think there's a very real chance that this team is 3-0 and with North Carolina coming to town. I think there's a really good chance that they learn from their mistakes last year. They all have this game circled. All the players we've talked to have this game circled oh, yeah. because they were embarrassed by Drake May last year. They want that one very badly. And then uh, if we could be go, you know, 7-0, and 6-1 going into Notre Dame, um, God, then we would be talking about what if Pitt is 8-0 leaving that stretch and and then we'd be talking about Pitt as a playoff team and then um, the skies, the, the heavens will fall from the skies and uh, the rivers will run with blood and it'll rain toads and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um, so I don't know if I answered that question at all. You did in, just... in a very cool way, man. <laughs> I, it's possible. Pitt beats teams it's not supposed to, but it also loses to terrible opponents that it shouldn't. It is a program built on an ancient native burial ground, and we are cursed, but we also have weird superpowers. So to, ans- to, to round it all up, literally anything could happen any given week, and I will not be surprised. So, so David, um, what, what's the new addition to this team this year that you think will have the greatest impact? Do you think it's Jerkovic? Or do you think it might be uh, one of these freshman receivers that are talking about, or, or um, maybe it's um, Des Reynolds, uh, the uh, receiver that came in from Florida? Who do you think's the biggest? Um, who do you think's going to be the biggest uh, first year guy to make the biggest impact on this team? The easy answer is Phil, just because he will be. This team will either fall to its floor or reach its ceiling, almost entirely based on him. Um, and it's no fun to just talk about quarterbacks. So I'm going to, I'm going to talk about my number two pick on that list. Uh, it's the freshman receiver, Kenny Johnson. 
He was a high three-star out of, I think, York, PA, or at least York, PA area. Um, he was a central PA kid, got offered by Penn State, picked Pitt, looked crazy good in the uh, the big 33 game or whatever it's called. Um, okay. And uh, and by all accounts, he's looked unbelievable in uh, training camp and likely to take over that number three receiver spot. And he had one or two catches last week, including a screen where he, he went about 11, 12 yards. Like it was nothing insane, but he looked so shifty. And dare I say, reminded me a little bit of a former pit receiver. Don't say it. We don't say his name. Um, but like, he just shall a, not be named <laughs> Lord Voldemort. Uh, <laughs> he, he looked, he looked small and shifty and like he knew what to do with the ball in his hands. And I don't blame him for not throwing him another ball that day. Cause you don't want the secret to get out. But I, I think he might, I think Kenny Johnson might be a, a secret weapon this year. Well, that's what they, they got him that little tech taste and, and they, you know, and fans are like, Oh, we saw it. We saw it, but we're going to save that for West Virginia. We'll save that for UNC. We'll even see if we can get it this week. I mean, you, I think since he's going to be a little bit of a test, they still have a lot of those Luke fickle players that are, hanging over there. And I think that team is, is going to be just as good as anybody that they see on the schedule. So maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm right, but uh, David, so we're a draft outlet. We yes. cover prospects, right? This is what we do. And, and Pitt has plenty of draft eligible, eligible talent at the end of the season, which two or three NFL prospects are you most excited to watch in 2023? Uh, of Pit guys that are in the NFL now or pit guys now that are going to be guys that are on the okay. team that'll leave to go into the 2024 draft. Uh, so this year, more than just about any other, it's super unknown. Like last year, draft analysts didn't know it, but I think we knew that Kalaja Kansi was going to climb up the boards. Savassier Dennis was going to do something. I personally thought Haba Baldonado would find his way in the first or second round, but then he'd, uh, kind of did nothing last year. Um, he got hurt. He got hurt. He got hurt uh, last year. Um, this year, there's a lot of unknowns. If I had to put my money somewhere, I would say Dayon Hayes is going to rocket up the draft charts. I think he's on nobody's radar right now because he hasn't been a regular starter. This is his first opportunity to take over that defensive line room. He, a uh, friend of the show, told us all about he he has meticulously studied the film of every single like first, second round defensive end and defensive tackle from last year, then all the guys that are getting buzz for this upcoming draft to see like, what are they doing? That's getting them all this hype and I'm not getting any hype. Um, so he's studying, he's putting in the work. He had a sack and a tackle for loss on the first drive of the Wofford game. And then coach Randy Bates said, you, you come stand by me. We aren't putting another, another bit on tape. Yeah. Um, I think he has the potential to be a big riser. Um, I think Matt Gonsalves is going to get drafted. I don't know how much of a riser he'll be, but he's a guy that's going to get drafted at tackle. Um, and then uh, one of my favorite sneaky ones is uh, Gavin Bartholomew. It's not sneaky because everyone knows Bart. Everyone saw the hurdle last year. They've seen him be a freak athlete coming out of, uh, you know, coming out of the backfield as an H back, they've, you know, seen him used in really tricky ways because he's an athlete. But what we hadn't seen was him used as a traditional tight end much in line. Um, but last week he had the most tight end 
catch I've ever seen him make where he was just kind of running up the seam and Phil kind of threw a back shoulder ball in the middle of three defenders. And he just went up there like a big boy, damn near punctured the ball with his thumbs, came up, came down, came up, was, was talking his stuff. And it was the first time he's really looked like a traditional tight end. So I think if they use him properly, like how Phil Dracovic used Hunter Long uh, at Boston College, I really think he could make some noise in the draft and and leave early, perhaps. Yeah, I think you're right. We did an article about him about a month and a half ago, and within two days, it had over 500-plus hits. It was one of our more yeah. popular articles out of the gate. And I think that it's because a lot of Pitt fans don't expect him to leave. You know, he had a down season last year. and Yeah. yeah but this guy has – some of the best hands of the, if not the best hands in this tight end class coming out, he's yeah. got size, but he's like, you said, all he's done is play H back. Uh, and now he's got to be an inline tight end. He's got to take on a different role and we'll see what's going on. But uh, JT, you're up next, man. What do you got? By the way, don't, uh, don't sleep on Deandre Jules either, David. Uh, he looked great Saturday. He's, he's lost 30 pounds and he's, he was a tight end coming out of high school at two twenty, raised up to three thirty, And now he's down to 300, but he's, He's a beast. He can't move the guy. So if there was one defensive lineman, how Pitt always seems to have that late, that late riser. Don't be surprised. If oh, he yeah. Jetting sides up the, uh, the board. So you gave us sort of an answer about the schedule, a roundabout way, but a cool, <laughs> a cool view of it. Does Pitt make the ACC championship game? And if they do, why? And if they don't, why? Like, what, what would the reasoning be for either or? Uh. It's a simple one. They make it if Phil shows a little bit of guts, a little bit of moxie, you know, takes the, you know, leads the team, uh, captures the imagination of a city, and just basically does all the Kenny Pickett ballsy stuff, diving for first downs, you know, chirping defenders coming in at his head, does all that stuff uh, while being accurate, while protecting the football um, and, you know, weapons emerge around him like Kenny Johnson uh, and, you know, all the other receivers take a step. So I'm basically putting a lot on the offense. If you want to read between the lines, uh, it's got to be the offense. They got to score points. Frank Signetti has to call like a cogent game plan. Um, And if, if they don't make it, it's because, Nobody took that step on offense, and maybe even we didn't get uh, the guys step up at the safety position and on the defensive line that we are expecting to. Um, if I'm not going to say Pitt's not making the ACC championship, we're 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 the loyal sons, not not the disloyal sons. You know, we're, it is our job to be homers. We will let the journalists use logic and reason. So you know what? I'm not even going to add a caveat to that sentence. Pitt's making the ACC championship. Well played, man. Well played. So you answered. We JT and I were talking prior to the show, and we were kicking around some questions we wanted to ask you. And you've already answered half of this next question, which was, you know, because I talk too much. No, no, no. Which we we were going to ask what Pitt prospect leaves early for the pros, and you said it was Bart. You know, I think Bart following me, and I think that JT and I agree with you too. I mean, if he hasn't a good enough season this tight end class he should fit really nicely into it and should leave but which pit draft prospect returns 
2024 to play for the Panthers instead of going pro? Oh, it's especially hard because I don't know what years everyone is anymore because of COVID. Um, so I don't know who has eligibility left. Rod- Rodney, I think even- Rodney Ham is a junior, so to speak. Do you think he, he goes? Well, that's a, that's a tough, I don't know if he's like an NFL type back. And I'm, I'm not saying that cause I don't think he is. I'm saying because I, I literally do not know um, if he fits with what teams are looking for right now. Uh, it'd be smart, right? If you're running back, you, I think Izzy did the smartest thing in the entire world. Everything fell perfectly for him. He's, he was 20 when he was drafted. He, Play, had one huge year and then left to get paid with like no tread on his tires because uh, Mark Whipple criminally underused him. And I think he played exactly right. I wouldn't, if Hammond went off this year, which he is, he's going to, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he left. But as far as guys I could see coming back, um, I think MJ Devonshire has huge, huge, huge rise up the charts potential because he's such a good athlete he's a blue chip recruit all that stuff if he doesn't get the love i think he deserves and this is based on nothing um if he doesn't get the love i think he deserves from the scouts and you know he goes through the process and they say oh we're grading you at like a seventh rounder i could see him coming back and rejoining a what will be a very young uh secondary next year being a cornerstone for that group and, and rising up the charts. Dave, um, David, um, with the, um, with the NIL playing a big role on everybody's rosters now, um, what do you think of Pitt's newest NIL deal with, um, the Alliance 412 and the progress they made and, and they have, you know, they come up, they come up with a contract and, each kid supposedly is between ten and thirty thousand, depending on, I guess, what they brought to the, you know, what a starter, I guess, gets thirty thousand, forty thousand, the the number. But do you do you like this? You're a little bit younger than me. Do you like this new style of football? I mean, I I, I know as an old school guy, we talk about it. You're all a the lot time. younger than JT. Don't let him fool you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm forty nine. So, but you, but you, um. You didn't really get to grow up with like how we did, where you know all of a sudden there's teams changing conferences, there's all this money involved. Do you oh, do you I... like it? Do you like where it's going? That's a loaded question. Uh, I love that the players are getting paid now. Um, I think it's ridiculous that the NCAA was making billions of dollars for literally hundreds of years and just made up a bunch of bullshit definitions. Sorry, I swore again. Uh, BS definitions of amateurism so that they could keep all the money for themselves. And I love that it's, it's based on name, image and likeness marketing. Um, I love what Pitt is doing with the tiers and with the team payouts, because all the big programs are doing whole team deals, all of them. If you want to be an elite program, that is what you need to do. And I love the tiers because Narduzzi's big worry about NIL was my my right tackles getting a hundred thousand dollars a year and my left tackles getting a free meal at Eaton Park sometimes. You know, like that disparity that rips apart the locker room. I talk we've talked to players on the show and on background who have said like, 
yeah, it's just kind of kind of terrible. It it doesn't feel good when you are a two year starter making like five thousand dollars a year in NIL just because I was already on the team when NIL became a thing, and I see some freshman who may never start a game, some three star kid get thirty thousand dollars just to come to the university. Like that doesn't feel fair. So. Pitt eliminating some of that, I, I think they did it exactly how Pat Narduzzi wanted. And I'm happy to see um, young people get paid for putting their body on the line. And also I get the NCAA video game back, which is a big part of it. I'm really excited about that. That's like that's like 90% of my excitement about NIL. The Supreme Court tried to ruin that for us. Well played. Um, well played. Right, right. It's so much fun. We all grew up with it. But um, no, realignment I am not happy about. I'm I'm not not pleased about realignment for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, it's it's greedy. It's terrible. The NCA can't stop making decisions that are objectively bad for fans and the greater good of the sport because it makes them money. Kind of like how uh, they took away the s- clock stoppage after a first down just so they could shove more ad time into the games. I it's just. I think it's terrible. We should be playing West Virginia and Penn State every year. Oklahoma and Oklahoma State should be playing every year. Washington and Washington State should be playing every year. I could I could go on forever. It's not right. College football, I'm a big history buff when it comes to college football. This is a sport that was made to be a local affair. It began in the Northeast. It caught fire in the South. It caught fire in the Midwest. The Pacific Coast figured it out eventually, whatever. They don't even care that much. Uh, and and rivalries were built and conferences were built and styles of football were built because of where you grew up and and whether you had, you had grits with dinner or deep fried butter or whatever they eat in the Midwest. And, and it was part of your identity. And now it's all going away because... You know, you can you can get more eyeballs in L.A. than you can in Morgantown. And it it doesn't matter that UCLA is bad at football. It doesn't it doesn't matter that Rutgers is terrible at football. They they got lucky 10 years ago and joined one of the big ones. Um, It's it's not a meritocracy. It's destroying tradition. It's making everything worse for the hardcore fans like us and just kind of trying to make it more interesting for passive fans that are clicking around on a Saturday night and see two helmets. They recognize it. I could go on, but I will not. Okay. You know, I think that was a really well thought out answer. Actually, we've had other guests on here that have struggled with that. And, you know, part of it is you're looking at it through a fan's goggles, as opposed to the optics of a business person. And I think that's what, you know, football is all about. It's an entertainment venue, man. You know, people want to be entertained. And when Pitt's not playing Penn State, you know, and instead they're playing Cincinnati, it just doesn't feel the same, right? So right. Well, they have to renew the series for the backyard brawl because you only get it for four years out of every 20. It's just it's ridiculous. But right. well, look, we're coming to the end of the podcast and we do this with all of our guests. I don't know if you've watched our stuff before. We just do a lightning round, right? So I've got four or five questions. Let's I'm going to ask you first. JT's going to answer his and I'm going to answer them too. So we're all 
you know, it's all, we're all on even footing here, but I'm going to start with you every time you you'll, you'll get the, you know, the, the first crack at every question I promise you. So Let's I'm going to start out. And as a, a loyal pit guy, are you a fan of the dino cat or the pit script? The pit script is the greatest thing that the university has ever done. The dino cat, those uniforms are atrocious. Uh, the lettering and the numbering was atrocious, but I do still think the dino cat is pretty cool. However, uh, Heather like struck oil going back to the old colors in the script. JT, what do you think, man? Uh, the, the yellow pit helmets are the greatest in college football, man. They, on, a, on, a, on a night game, a night game at Akershore, man, they just they're sharp, sharp as hell. I love Michigan's helmets too, Joe. So I'll give you hey, that. Go blue, go blue. Sorry. Uh, all right, David. So you have a magical locker in your locker room, and uh, you can go back in time to watch any pit football or any pit basketball game anywhere ever from the bench. Which game do you go back to? Wow. Oh my God. Uh... I mean, that that Sugar Bowl against Georgia that won them a national championship, I feel like is the easy. Like, we've had Bill Hillgrove on, and he's talked about that game, and I wanted to cry. <laughs> that John Brown touchdown. <laughs> I'm, I'm all for it. Second place would be I want to go back to uh, the first football game I ever went to when Pitt beat number five Virginia Tech. I went with my dad. Lou Polite scored with a minute left. Pitt upset number five Virginia Tech. How about you, JT? Even though I saw the game, or I should have saw the game, but I was so hammered but by the time it was over, but I'd like to go back and watch the uh, the 13-9 game from beginning to end again and not drink this time because – we were at a bar with a bunch of West Virginia fans, and I spent more time egging them on than actually uh, paying attention to every play. So I, I think that one. So, yeah, I have to say, you know, unfortunately it is West Virginia. That 13-9 that game and watching Rich Rodriguez cry, he had he had teardrops on his, on his shirt afterwards, and you could hear the pit guys through the wall as he's giving his exit interview. And then, unfortunately, it cursed the – shit out of my michigan wolverines because he ended up coming to ann arbor for a couple of years and tourist higher in the history of the sport yeah ridiculous ridiculous and so on one side was it was it was like you said before i mean pitt has these moments of magic and it caused misery for me for the next 10 years because we went from you know uh loy card to uh uh to to hit to rich rodriguez and then brady hoke before we got it back so struggled on that one but i've got to say 13-9 all right, David, back to you. Um, you're a kid again. Okay. For a minute. And one pit player is running by you on his way out of the, you know, and before he goes in the locker room, he takes off his jersey and hands it to you. What jersey is it and who did it belong to? Kenny Pickett. <laughs> our, uh, our partner in crime, David Finoli, who's not on, he's Pittsburgh's premier sports historian. With lo- he has this uh, – love affair with Kenny. It's ridiculous. He and I argue about the better, the two quarterbacks, he or Dan Marino all the time. And unfortunately David just uh, is on the, on the Kenny Pickett bandwagon, but I get it. I get JT. How about you, man? I've always best year of watching football in my life. I got to go back. Larry Fitzgerald, man. I would, God was just so, so golden to watch for that. That's the first season I had season tickets. It was his season and it was, it was phenomenal, man. Look, I, I love Larry. I, I love Dan Marino. 
uh, I, I love Kenny Pickett, but if I had to do it, I, I wasn't around to see it. It had to be Tony Dorsett. I, I just, mm. you know, he always tops the list. I was never part of that era. Um, I see the highlights of it. He's another one that Hillgrove can wax poetic about uh, as part of it. And, and I hated the fact that he went to the Dallas Cowboys. But at the end of the day, if he's Pitt's best player of all time, I want him to hand me my jersey. So uh, final question, man, David. Your favorite pit highlight of all time? Fake slide. It, I, Love it. It's easy. It's fried chicken. It, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's you the fake slide. Beer about that. I guess Southern Tears doing the fake slide beer. What's that? Uh, the oh, yeah. yeah, Southern Tears putting out the, the fake slide ale or whatever it is so you got to get yourself some of that too oh absolutely i'll be i'll be drinking a couple of those i can't say it on our show because i we we partner with uh pittsburgh brewing company but here i can say it i will drink a thousand of those if someone puts them in front of me <laughs> i think i see a challenge coming somewhere in your near future jt how about you <laughs> highlight like he said, it's almost impossible. I was in Charlotte for that. You got to go with the the fake slide. I never saw, I never saw a, a play half of a stadium just explode like it did whenever he did that. And he, he did it so fast live that I didn't know what happened. I thought he like stumbled at first. And when they showed the replay, I remember just everybody in the in the press box like, wow, he just he just full speed fake slid and it was he changed the rules, man. Changed the rules. Yeah, I think he's. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, he's the reason that uh, Clemson was subject to that BS call against Duke where Cade Klubnik slid, but because he was technically down, the targeting didn't count to prolong the drive because they instituted all those rules about the play being over the second you initiate a slide because of Kenny Pickett. Yeah. So he indirectly screwed over Clemson. It's ridiculous. I know. I know. And that guy to line him up too. That was such a headshot. Oh, it, yeah. it was like, oh, they got, they still got the ball. It was crazy. But, um, anyway, so David, thanks again for being on the show tonight. We had a great Thanks for having time. me. The, uh, I, I'm going to invite you back after we get through that stretch of, of Notre Dame and, and, and North Carolina and uh, of course, Florida state. We'll see where you are uh, and where we are then. But before we let you off the clock, uh, tell everyone where they can find you guys and how they can help the loyal sons. Uh, you can find us at the Loyal Sons on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. We have a YouTube. You can subscribe to that. You can listen to us uh, on uh, uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. We we release episodes during the season. Sunday recaps of games. Wednesday previews of the upcoming week. And also uh, buy all of our sponsors so that they give us money. <laughs> well said. Well said. Well. <laughs> Big thanks to our guest, David Haddad of Loyal Sons, and to our sponsor, iHeartRadio, where you can find all your favorite music, radio, and podcasts all for free. And remember, while Draft 412 may be off the air, we are always on the clock for you. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, David. Thanks. That was awesome. Yeah, JG, I think we discovered.